welcome everyone. We got a lot of things to talk about today and only so much time that we have. But I first want to address one thing that I saw, the most pertinent tweet that I've seen all week. I think you're going to know which one I'm talking about. And that is Oscar De La Hoya, who has me blocked, by the way. But Oscar tweeted out something that I thought was, uh, well, let me just hit you guys with the tweet and you guys can uh, put it together yourselves. Can someone tell me why the WBC boxing still has Jamal Charlo as champion after two years inactivity? Why not make Jaime Munguia versus Sergey Drevyanchenko for the title? Do you need me to hit you with that again? No, sir. Okay, so let's address this. If Oscar De La Hoya wasn't completely riddled with cocaine at all hours of the day, if he was actually having the capacity to run his biz- his company like a proper businessman, he wouldn't tweet some dumb shit like this. Now, let's address, you know, because we like to do both sides here. Let's just address things uh, that he kind of got right about this. One, Jamal Charlo has been inactive for two years. Part of that has been excused. He's had an injury or he had an injury. The other part of it, um, not so explained, uh, unless you follow him on uh, social media, you kind of know why he's been inactive. And the WBC has precedent in the past of letting dudes keep their titles despite being inactive if the excuse has uh, satisfied them, I guess, we'll say. Now, that's where any truth to this ends because, first of all, Jaime Mugia versus Sergei Drevyanchenko is terrible matchmaking. It is absolutely pitiful. I actually love it, though, because I just want to know how low they're going to go with Jaime Mugia. Sergei Drevyanchenko even two years ago, was a pretty solid guy that I would have been happy to see Munguia fight. But Sergey has not looked great in a while now. I thought he'd for sure be done after his last fight. He was going to hang up the gloves and call it quits, and he probably should. But for them to go in this direction for Munguia, after years and years and years of him not fighting, I mean, literally, Munguia has never had a, a fight where you would say going into it, oh, you know, uh, that's pretty ambitious matchmaking. It's literally been mismatch after mismatch for this guy, spotlight or showcase after showcase, where he's given varying degrees of, that's all right, performances. But here's the thing. That's just so egregious about this. Do you know what division Jaime Munguia fights in? I thought middleweight. You're wrong. You, like Oscar, are having cocaine <laughs> brain. Did you not see the last time that Jaime Munguia tried to make 160? Yeah, didn't he have to you know get like carted off? Dude, the he scale? passed out. He passed out at the weigh-in. And I just want to remind everybody that this is boxing. It's not the UFC. When dudes pass out at weigh-ins, we tend to like really take that seriously. The whole day before weigh-in is because some dude, you know, weighing in on the same day, they, they realize, oh, yeah, you're you're more likely to die. So they moved it a day before. Jaime Munguia could no longer make 160, and it makes sense. I mean, he's, you know, a growing boy, and he, you know, his t- time at 160 is done. 
He doesn't fight at 160 anymore. And this fight is at 168. But, uh, yeah. So how are you going to ask the WBC to fight for the middleweight title when A, is not at that division, B, Derevyanchenko should not be fighting for a title? You, you got to stack up a win at some point. And I, I've, I like Sergey Derevyanchenko, like just kind of like on a, I don't know, on a, if I want to say it like on a personal level, but I like, I like Sergey. You're a fan he, of he's it. He's been a You're real fighter's it. fighter. Nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't even say I'm a fan. I just really respect, like he's, he's literally like a fighter's fighter. Look at this, this run. Danny Jacobs, Jack Colquet, Golovkin, Jamal Adamas. You could stack that five-fight run, and granted, he only won one of those fights. Actually, he arguably won three of them. You can pick whichever ones you want, but the only one that he was like definitively beaten was the Jamal fight. Sergey, but that you you stack that five-fight run for Sergey, and that stacks up with just about anybody in boxing in terms of like just taking like dog after dog. But that, like, that dude has, I mean, you even look at him, he looks weathered. And, uh, I mean, so, like, it's just, Sergey not really should be fighting for a WBC title. And here's the thing that, like, pisses me off the most about all of this. It's like, if Jaime Munguia, if you guys were going to put Munguia in a middleweight title, you would have chose, like, any number of the mandatory positions that he had been in. And taking one of them fights. Like when the WBO said, hey, do you want to fight for this title? And you want to fight John Beck? They were like, nah, we're good. And the thing that blows my mind about that is like, no one other than John Beck believes that this dude is the second coming of Golovkin. Munguia would have probably won that fight. At a, at, at a minimum, would have been highly competitive. So what are these, like, it just blows my mind. Because, and I think... If you've listened to the podcast, you know, like, over the years, I've had a soft spot for Munguia. I felt kind of bad for him. Like, this dude should not have been thrust into the, the, the spotlight at the time that he was thrust. If you remember correctly, we didn't know who this guy was. He was in Mexico fighting, like, Johnny Navarrete. And then, <clears throat> Canelo test positive. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Not the positive test, but the fighter Canelo. Canelo test positive, and they were like, well, we got this May 5th date coming up. We could either wait for Canelo to return from suspension, which will probably be like just a month or so, or we can just proceed on with the fight, a single mile fight for Gennady Golovkin. And the opponent that was suggested for Golovkin as a sort of like, uh, you know, we want Canelo. We have Canelo at home. And then they showed up with like Jaime Munguia. That was the guy that they wanted is Munguia. And then the commission was just like, nobody, you're not going to do. There will be no Golovkin versus Jaime Munguia. We're not about to catch a body. And so they were like, well, what about Vonis? And the California commission was like, Vonis will do. Same result probably would have happened no matter who he fought that night, whether it had been Vonis or Munguia. But since then, Munguia's basically been a name that's been tossed around at the top of middleweight, or at the time he was a super welterweight, 
despite never having had like a real win in the division, which has led us to today where he is still in that position. He is now two divisions north of 154, which is where he was at the time. And yeah, I'm done. Is there anything else you want to say about this topic? No. The only thing I want to say is that the hottest topic this week is an Oscar De La Hoya tweet about Mungia, the activities of a Richardson Hitchens. Now, I was about to say, now, there's another hot tweet. And that we a get Ring into. Magazine tweet about a fight that who cares if it happens or not. So are we just going to run through like the, the social media gossip on this episode? I, think I mean, we, we could because what is there to say about Canelo fight week? Cinco de Mayo, well, Cinco de Canelo, the face of boxing, supposedly. Not really well, face uh, of boxing out there today. So how about you be Tay Jones and I'll be Richardson Hitchens? <laughs> All right. Was, can you send me the first tweet just so I could? Wait, who, who am I? Am I Tay or am I Hitch, Hitchens? I already nah, you said you were Richardson Hitchens. All right, there there may be some language here that we're gonna have to uh, skate around here. Okay, well, he deleted it, but it's too late. We got it. We got the receipts. <laughs> yeah, we got the screenshot. Hitchens turned down. This is no, no. I'm Tate. Oh no, this is yeah, me. you are Tate Jones. Hitchens turned down the IBF final eliminator versus Ergashev. I don't want to hear shit about him calling out other top guys. Just so we clear, Tay. Yes. I never turned down shit, bitch. Watch your mouth. <laughs> oh, damn it. I lost it. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah, I hope you didn't delete like the whole this string. Okay. Oh, wait. So there's a screenshot from me, Tay. Okay, bitch, be blessed. And it is a it is a <laughs> screenshot from Shohajon Ergashev's Instagram. That looks like a communication on WhatsApp from his coach. And the coach says, you are ordered to fight Matias for the IBF world title next fight. Nobody in the top 15 wanted to fight you for number one. And I and Ergashev responds, wow, when will that be? Fire emojis, thumbs up emojis. Um, and is that it? Well, I mean, you also said nobody in the top 15 Shit, we was pulling for you, talk Tom. Fu- we was pulling for shit. We was pulling for fuck you, talk. Yeah, that, about. it's the grammar on this tweet is not the most on point and sharp. Yeah, that that was. I think now I just want to point something out that is so funny to me. Like at this point, I, I had a pretty good conversation with Deuce about this today. That maybe I kind of like go over on a Patreon episode because it's a little heavy. But we were talking about the way the fan base in boxing has evolved. Oh, I went in on that one. And like, and like, um, there's certain like old ways of thinking that are fading out. And like these dudes who are holding on to it are very quickly becoming irrelevant. And like, because the proof is just in the pudding, right? And um, I I love that. Hitchens tweets out that he never turned down shit. And then one of the replies is Mayweather Protection Program. And it's like, <laughs> hold up. Like, are, 
are all the black people with Mayweather promotions? Is that what you're saying? I mean, at least, you know, Hitchens was with Mayweather, so it's like the he guy like kind of had it back. right, but it's just like a trash ass tweet. Stupid. It, 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 but it's one of those things where like if you're replying to a fighter, like at least have your info correct. Richardson Hitchens, when he last left Mayweather promotions, was actually getting pretty decent opposition for where he was at relative to, you know, his standing in the division. Because let's, let's be really clear. Richardson Hitchens, people talk about as being like this really talented guy. Now, I don't really see it, but he also had not accomplished a damn thing. And he's more of one of those guys that like, if you're in, you kind of know and you acknowledge that Richardson Hitchens is a talented fighter. But in practicality, I, I haven't actually seen it. Like in the, the fights that they gave him, like the Malik Hawkins fight, which was a good fight for Hitchens at that point in his career. He didn't really do much with that fight to lead me to believe that like this dude is some killer. I think Hitchens thinks that because he's friends with Tank and Shakur, that like he'll get the benefit of the doubt that Shakur does as being like a technician in the ring who doesn't rely on offense. But, you know, like very few guys can get that like, like, okay, you're defense first, so we'll give you the respect for that. Like Shakur can get it because he's an Olympian and he's one of like, you know, top ranks up and coming uh, blue chip guys. But I'll, I'll say this. It's not that. It's the, the Olympic pedigree is good, but it's like unless you have a big promotional push behind you, if you fight the way a Hitchens does or even the way Shakur does, if you don't have that big promotional push and something else to bring people in, who's going to want to watch you fight? That's kind of what I was saying, no? <laughs> no, you, you weren't. You, you, you were not. Well, I said that. I said that, I said nice. that Shakur is top-ranked blue-chip guy, so like, he's going to get that, that, that push. I said benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt is like, let's admire his defense. Who cares about his offense? You, you know. I feel like, I was going to say, I feel like this is kind of like a, a more general take on this subject, but like good defensive fighters have to have advocates on commentary and, and, and in like the promotional game. Because if you look at the history of boxing, the guys who fought in these super, like, just not very entertaining styles, the guys who were able to reach another level had advocates for them. Like Rigondeau. Even as a prospect, Rigondeau did amazing things, but the, the style or, well, the entertainment level of his fights was pretty consistent throughout his career, which is that even when he did get onto you know, HBO and Showtime and everything, Rigondeau wasn't always lighting it up, at least not till late. And, uh, but he had advocates on commentary who would help the viewer gain that appreciation for what they were doing. And, and then there are guys like Lomachenko who got it like, you know, just balls in the mouth type of like fawning over him. But even Lomachenko, like doing Lomachenko, He's not my favorite fighter, you know, but like I'll give him credit for what he did do. He was punishing guys more often than not. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Like, obviously, Lomachenko, for, first of all, Lomachenko is like, like Ruslan Provodnikov compared <laughs> to Rigondeau. But my point 
is that that's not a guy that needed the advocacy. You like they didn't need the the guys on on commentary to sell you on what you were seeing because you just see it like okay yeah, at a minimum this is entertaining. I can tell he's good, but like they were just like you know oh my god and the, the angles and then like you you know you can you can just hear these dudes like just drooling, and that like but. Where that is really necessary is actually on guys who their defense is like, you know, it needs some like an expert eye to kind of show you why you should appreciate it. And that's totally what Hitchens and a guy like or a guy like Hitchens needs. But he's he he, it's funny because he's moved to a platform where he's not going to get that. Because if you look at the comment, like who the commentary teams are, that's just not a particular style that they like. And so he Hitchens, I feel like is a guy that is like I do think he's a talented fighter, but he, I think he putting keeps putting himself in a position to not reach his full potential. No, I think he made a big mistake going with Hearn. I mean, like people call me biased, but at the end of the day, like if you had to if you rate PBC and top ranked stable. In my at 140, in my opinion, it's pretty even. So if you're at if you're a 140 pound fighter, you probably want to be with one of those promotions. For for Hitchens to have been with Mayweather, he he not only gave up chances to be on PBC undercards, but Tank undercards too, because him and Tank are cool, and all the Tank's homies end up on his undercard more often than not. So so to go from that to like your big fight being Montana Love is like. Okay, so you you go to Eddie Hearn to fight my Montana Love and pass up on Subaru Matias, Antoine Russell, uh, Puelo, Roly, who I don't think he likes, um, Lippinets. Man, you you if you forget Brandon, Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee uh, <laughs> what's my guy's name? I actually like the kid, uh, the kid who fought Barrios, who 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 got knocked down in the final round. But Batir Akhmedov, well, I, I like his name is different now. Sims. I mean, I just ran off, I think, eight fighters who are pretty quality at 140. And then if you want to do the top rank, then you got Josh Taylor, Teofimo. Uh, you might have oh, Devin Ramirez. Haney coming up. You have uh, what's my, Ramirez. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of guys at 140 at top rank. I'm forgetting at least four. So... I mean, I don't know what Richard Hitchinson was thinking. I mean, I'm sure he's getting paid more, but, you know, that that zone money doesn't always lead to a prosperous career in the long run. But whatever. I mean, we'll see how it plays out for him. Long-time listeners of the podcast are going to be like, there's no way you guys started off talking about Mungia and then Richardson Hitchens. Like, this is an all-time, like, not starting the podcast off and on guys, a hot look, note. This wasn't intentional. Angelo was watching the Lakers game. I was eating what a <laughs> burger playing Jedi Survivor. And he said, yo, let's record. I said, okay, cool. But guess what? It's Canelo fight week, but there's nothing to really talk about. Like, like these are natural topics that came out because it's more exciting than Canelo fight week. And I'm not trying to be funny. This is what Angelo bought to me. And I love talking about boxing with Angelo, so this is what I'm giving back. But there's nothing to talk about on this weekend unless there's other fights going on. At- no, there's other. There, no, it's not that. Well, it is that there's nothing to talk about with Canelo's fight. 
But I also want to bring your attention to um, you, famed and claimed member of the Bomb Squad. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Why wasn't it you that got arrested? <laughs> Why were you not holding the strap? Why would you let Deontay get caught Listen, with the heat? Listen, you guys know where Deontay is from. You know, these country, the country boys is packing, man. Pause. But, you know, where they're from, <laughs> you know, you, you carry the strap. You know, I mean, I'm, in, I'm in the Midwest right now, and they tell you not to beat too much because... You never know who you might anger. That road I've rage that is different in, this, in the Midwest. The same with down south, I'm sure. So, you know, Deontay tweeted it. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. The end. So, he, uh, he, he made his decision. You know, <laughs> the way I grew up, the people I grew up around, you have a person carry the heat for you. And, and that's the, you know, that's the fall guy. You take care of the fall guy. So, if anything goes wrong. You good. Ray, Ray, uh, what's my guy's name? The, the, like the linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens. Ray Lewis Ray had a Lewis? fall guy. There are college athletes who have fall guys. There are NBA players who have fall guys. The fall guy is important. Boxers, are, one thing that's insane about boxers is like, they're so regular. Like, it's really weird. Like, you'll hear about fighters who are like 30 fights into their career maybe even at the pay-per-view level, and they're like, I just hired a dietitian. It's like, you just hired one? Shouldn't you have been had one? Like, no wonder you've yeah, been four times. Yeah, or been struggling, or whatever. It's just... No wonder why you've been hospitalized twice for randomized are just very unique individuals, but shout to DW. I know he's good. They said his car smelled like weed. That's crazy because weed is legal in California. So I don't, I don't know what to make of that. But he's good. Oh, you, you. I, I'm not gonna say it, but you, you say it. Do you know? We already know, you know what, what that's it was. about. It's, it's DWB. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what that means, driving while black. But it's all good. DW's good. You know, we'll see. They talking about this Joshua thing happening with him. They're in Dubai. I mean. Maybe that happens. I think Andy Ruiz happens before that, but we'll see. PBC got a lot of like up in the air stuff because like, who knows what happened? Who what's happening with Errol? Who knows what's happening with Keith? Oh man, Danny and Laura just got announced. Exciting! I put together a card that I think is dope for that fight. I mean, I saw that. It's completely it is complete nonsense. nonsense. It'll definitely not but... be the card. But if any of those fights are correct, I'm taking full credit. All right, hold on. Let's listen. Let me pull this up but it because, is. Uh... I think. I make like when I do pretend cards, they're not just random. There is like math method behind the madness. Um, so I do want to say that Arizona Delara versus Danny Garcia. I never thought that's a fight that we would actually get, but we but we are gonna get it, and I love it. I think it's it is amazing on Danny's behalf. Uh, it's um. Uh... I don't know. I, I feel like this is some something that like was concocted by neither fighter, and then they brought it to them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I mean, yeah, why?" It definitely I sounds like a fight? like you two matchmake like that actually ended up happening. It sounds like I was putting together my tournament <laughs> of like guys who like made their pro debut in two thousand eight or earlier, and like this was the final matchup of guys who are active. 
And it's like, you know the divisions don't stack up. And I'm just like, yeah, I know, but they, they can make it work. And uh, so your card was Gary Antoine Russell versus Sandor Martin. That's a good fight. I don't know if it'll happen, but it is a good fight. I like that. Um, Elvis Rodriguez versus Sergey Lipinets. I, I tend to think that that's going to headline a card, actually. So I think that fight is happening, and it will not be an opener. Okay. Gergen Hobanesian versus Charles Martin. No one knows who Gergen is yet. So, yeah, not a bad matchup. And then Michael Angeletti versus TBD. I mean... So, listen, here's, yeah. the, here's the math that's around not... all these fights, right? Antoine was supposed to fight on the Roly Puello undercard, but he reportedly had an injury. But in my opinion, when that happens sometimes, guys are injured, quote-unquote, to get shifted to, like, different cards. And so I'm thinking maybe he got injured, yep. supposedly, so he could end up on this fight. Because if he's fighting in Barclays, some D- DMV people come out. And he's been on the... He fought on the... Uh, he fought on the Danny versus uh, Benavidez undercard as well against uh, Rancis. And that was a pretty decent fight. So I, I, I was thinking like, okay, give him Sandor Martin, WBC ranked. He's on the Danny undercard again. And it's like a good 140-pound uh, fight. So, okay, neat. Then uh, Elvis Rodriguez versus Lipinets. That was rumored to be on the Arrow versus Butt undercard. I'm not sold on Arrowverse but happening. So that gets shifted over to a fight that gets uh, Elvis Rodriguez in front of the New York fans because, you know, he's Dominican. There's a huge Dominican population in New York. Cool. 140-pound fight to, like, line up with uh, Antoine. Cool. And Lipinets, great opponent, fought for the WBC uh, medallion thing in his last fight. I I like that fight. Great fight. Set it up. I'll just say this. So I think the well, one fight that we know is happening here is, well, at least it's been rumored. I don't know if it's, you know, whatever. Could not happen. But Elvis Rodriguez versus Sergey Lipinitz is a, I really like that fight. I think if Lipinitz isn't shot, he yeah, is going to beat Lipinets Elvis. I'm picking in that fight. I like Lipinitz a lot. And like one thing he doesn't get enough credit for is he's like a tough bastard, man. Like that dude stood in the ring with boots for like seven or eight rounds and really like, some guys like he'll take a fight like Boots and kind of lay down. He got his ass kicked, but he didn't lay down at all. Boots just was like too much beast for him. But like Lippinett stood in there and, and was a champion about it. And so I know if someone at 140 beats him, it's going to take a hell of an effort. I think l- the thing that was pretty admirable about the way he fought Boots is that like he never went into defense mode. Like he fought on his terms the whole fight. And he, I mean, he got stopped, but like, I mean, that that can't, that's the risk that Lipinets takes when he fights. But that's the really boots, does. man. I don't see many think, guys like I th- again. I think at one forty, it will take a hell of an effort to stop Lipinets, like because boots is like boots is an offensive force, and I don't even think he's like. I think he's a hundred fifty four pound fighter that can make one forty seven, and he's just down there for the time being. So for Lipinets to stand up to that is like, like big time kudos. Big time. I, I think Boots, um, I don't think he's fully, like, filled his body out yet. I mean, because he's still pretty young. I don't think he's fully filled his body out yet. We're, like, we're talking going to 154. I, I don't, and, and he also stays No, he's not all, there yet. All he year long, def- so like, like, I'm not saying he's, like, a weight cheat, but I do think that, like, kind of like Shakur 126, like, I don't think it'll be long before he moves up to 154 
Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like that fight. I like it a lot, actually. Um, so the ring this week decided that they were going to try to get a little scoop in. And we're like, yeah, Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Likely going to happen on whatever. One of the many it. Saturdays in 2023. <laughs> no, no. Well, they were like, the fight will happen on a in Saturday. 2023 on Ooh. Showtime pay-per-view. And we were like, late breaking uh, news. Uh-huh. No, no. But they, they, the first time that they had dropped it, they dropped it and said one day. And then they kind of left it open and said, but it could be another day, but this is like the day. And then they did another article saying like, well, it's actually this set of dates here are possibly in the running. And uh, there was also another bit of information that says like one side seems to be holding it up yet again. And I don't know, man. Kind of feels like deja vu at this point. I think the real question, right, is... And you know how I felt about this fight for a long time. I haven't been too, I mean, I'm public with you, but I'm private otherwise. But do people just want to see both guys move on from this fight or do we hold on? I've been like, uh, again, I'll say my take. I've said for a while to move on. Um, I don't think this fight should be this complicated to make. One guy is definitely the A side and one guy is definitely the B side. One guy has a has representation and a network connection the other guy doesn't uh one guy has lots of options the other guy doesn't so the i I imagine the deal should be pretty standard i mean we've seen tank and ryan get done with like similar uh similar like a situation well Way more, way yeah, more things, exactly. barriers. We've seen Canelo versus Plant, and there was like way more barriers, and and I'm sure like, actually, no, there was no barriers there. Like that was actually the prototype of how this should have been that's done. That's my thing. It's like I, whatever. Like I kind of wonder what Terrence Crawford is asking for, w- whether it's financial or like is he back on this transparency thing? I mean, whatever he's asking for has to be pretty ridiculous because. You know, this should not be a difficult deal. It shouldn't be, Espe- especially with Showtime. Last thing I want to so, say, Showtime's done a lot, like Showtime did Floyd and Pacquiao. Like it can't get any more fucking ridiculous than that fight you know, from a negotiating point of view. If Terrence Crawford is making this more difficult than that, like like that template, like that's crazy. That's why, like, I would always give Showtime the benefit of the doubt. And if HBO was still in the game, I would give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these types of negotiations. Because, like, I know you've been here. I know you've done these tough negotiations. I mean, they did it twice with the Tyson versus Lewis and then Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Th- these are people that have been on the stage before. They know what it takes to make Ma- these big fights. I don't give a fuck what anybody else, like, brings to the table here. I'm going to trust the the people that have been in the in the in the, at the negotiating table making all those little details work actually also yeah, Mayweather, McGregor, Mayweather McGregor which Wilder was Fury. a tough one as well like that's what's so crazy like I, again in my business experience in my experiences in in corporate world a lot of times like you take a template from something that's been done before in the past and you just reuse it and you may like tinker a few things and it's, it's not like my experiences are special many people do this but like what is Bud asking for? That's like, there's something that he's asking for that 
Espinosa or Heyman or Arrow is just like, that's a little like, like what? Like that's not normal at all. So in this situation, <clears throat> you know, you ask the question, like, do you, would you be like, yes. do you want them to just move on at this point? And I completely get where the fighters are coming from. And I get the history of it. You know, you crown an undisputed champion. When the fight happens, I'm sure it's going to be big and, you know, sell well, do do a fine gate, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm at the point now where we got to think about the sport at large. And it's clear that th- these guys continue to derail other people's careers. You you think of guys who are in the in the rankings who are like trying to figure out how to navigate their careers without losing their spot in the rankings because either they get a shot at one of these two fighters or they get a shot at the title. And that is hard like to me it seems like it's hard for for these guys to manage their careers. There's other cards that could easily be made or the fights that could easily be made if we weren't waiting for these two dudes to figure out what they were doing. So yeah, I, I think at this point, in general, most boxing fans should be on the side of like, can you two dudes just fight somebody else and like, don't hold anything up if you're not like gonna hash out a deal in like 72 hours. Because this whole back and forth, this whole, you know, I I, I think they had said that Errol had had a deal already to fight Keith Thurman. He did. He was going to in the accident. Which at this point, it, it's like... The, the little, whoever, like the lunatic kid that hit him, like kind of derailed that fight. Um, And it's unfortunate because, you know, if Errol versus Bud happens, or no, as a matter of fact, forget that. Errol's next fight, he'll have been out of the ring for like 13 to 15 months or something like that. And it's just like, it's unfortunate. You know, I think everyone loves watching Errol. I think Arrow has good options that aren't Bud. And my attitude with these kinds of fights, and, and this is why I don't like complaining about this fight, is like, if both guys are as good as we believe, the fight is not going anywhere. You know, I, I, was, a, I was a part of Pac versus Mayweather. And Angelo was there for it. A lot of people weren't there. That fight took like, man, I was like in college when that fight was started to become a thing. And it didn't happen until I was way out of college. So, like, if I could wait that long for that fight, Arrow versus Bud is, like, it's easy. You know, if Arrow keeps winning and Bud keeps winning, it can happen. 47 or 54, whatever. It doesn't have to happen now. Yeah, I, I think another question is, like, how much, how big is that fight if the titles aren't on the line? Because, like, let's just say the sanctioning body starts stripping them. I mean, listen, I'm not a big titles guy. I mean, like, we could talk about, like, the undisputed thing is cool for, like, marketing purposes. But if Ryan and Tank just did freaking a million point two with nothing on the line, then, like, Arrow versus Bud, I'm pretty sure, does whatever it would do as undisputed. But I don't, but, but neither no, no, guy and, but, but is I Tank think and neither guy That is applies Ryan. with undisputed. I don't think it's a, a big a fight. I think whatever that fight does, it does undisputed or not. They're they're not big like they're they're known, and it'll you know they'll talk about it on first take and Sports Center and Undisputed, and all like the major podcasts and stuff like that. But I, like Undisputed won't be a part of it. It's going to be more of like a who is the biggest the bigger badass at one forty seven. 
Like I think that'll be like the energy around that fight. All right. Are there any other rumors mm. we need to address? Any other social media beefs? No, I don't think so. We haven't talked about um, Tiafimo's uh, <laughs> dad's comments or Tiafimo himself's comments. Uh, you're calling talk man, about it's that? It's definitely hilarious. Should we just remind everybody yeah, what Tiafimo said? What did he say? Tiafimo on a rant with a YouTuber said that if ESPN doesn't want to treat him right, they could keep the blacks or something of to that effect. And that it's his last fight on with top rank. So if they want to keep the blacks, they can keep him. He'll do what he does or something like that. Pretty crazy. And it's funny. I thought Teofimo was like, like he was away from social media for a little bit. So I thought he was like on a, like he was getting his mind back together. Clearly I was wrong on that one. Jesus, he came out firing. <laughs> and then he, he, he also left the Instagram yeah, had... Instagram picture of his like notebook with all these like weird messages. No, <laughs> what was the quote that he attributed uh, to himself? They were so uh, nuts. Like it, it was like like just like a saying that we all say. Like like it would be like if if I wrote down in my notebook like that's the way the cookie crumbles, and then just like wrote like my name after it. like I was the one who came up with it. Oh my god. Oh, then he then he posted the pic the with Trump, and he's just like, he did the Jay Z. I'm not a I'm a businessman, not a businessman, or something like that. And then he did one today. What? Oh, it was a picture of Mike Tyson as like the youngest, like undisputed heavyweight champ, or something like that. And then a picture of himself as the youngest undisputed heavyweight champ. And and the caption was like, "You guys made me do this, not me," or or something like that. It's just like, bro, this kid is. He's a uh, he's a thirty for thirty. Like if Josh Taylor does him dirty, he's he, he's gonna it's gonna end bad. Um, let's see. We can talk about design, uh, the extension of Eddie Hearn's matchroom deal. The f- congratulations on getting a, a a deal in the states or whatever was the comment. I forget. I mean, like the funny thing about that is. The initial reporting was a billion dollars for eight years. That was signed in uh, 2018. Now, I'm no mathematician. But if you subtract 2023 from 2018, that's five years. So they extend it for three more years to 2026. So... How did they extend a deal that wasn't that was supposed to last till twenty twenty five or something? I don't get it. I don't know how they extended the deal. Who knows? I mean, Eddie is a master of spin. Like nothing he says could be like should be trusted. I mean, all I'm saying is that clearly the initial reporting was wrong. At some point in the deal, so one, so it either wasn't eight years. Or it was eight years with an opt-out, and they opted out and renegotiated an extension, which would make sense because, you know, when they came into the, to the market, they were going to spend a lot of money, and clearly over the last four or five years, the results have not been there. The, the, you know, the service hasn't taken off the way they thought it would. They weren't able to uh, acquire all the assets that they thought they were going to acquire, blah, blah, blah. But no one has reported on any of that. So I'm here just like wondering like what the hell are, are what like what is going on here? That that's 
no, that's like not the deal. So I, I'm not like hating or anything. I'm just like, well, can we get some professional journalists who like cover this stuff? It'd been interesting to know like, hey, you know, at the four year mark, we, we had to, we, we definitely still wanted to be in the sport, but we also didn't want to be at the sport with the level of commitment that we had initially planned for, you know, or, or whatever. But, you know, no real reporting on any of that stuff. What a shocker. <laughs> um, I have just seen something <laughs> that they are claiming that Canelo's fight will be in front of 55,000 people. But the seating chart on Ticketmaster doesn't quite look like they've sold 55,000 tickets. And in fact, uh, there are these topics are legitimately more interesting than Canelo. It's like so sad. You know, what's even more sad is like Canelo and is being the tickets are two taken, for one. Well, I was going to say Canelo is being taken on a spin by Eddie Hearn, but I feel like Eddie Hearn, Canelo and DAZN are all just like it's like a circle jerk of stupidity. Because, like, Canelo, Eddie Hearn gets to brag he has Canelo and, like, do cards in, like, Mexico, which he would never get to do. Canelo gets to rob DAZN for a 50 mil a fight. And DAZN gets to pretend they're relevant because they have Canelo. It's like all are failing upwards. Um, I got to remember to look for... I think I can count how many tickets are still available for the fight. But, but, but the thing about Canelo is that... And... and we all love Canelo, all right? However, to me, it feels like over the last five years or so, maybe a little longer, Canelo has entered into this category where no one wants to criticize him, and he can do no wrong, and yet it, it just looks like, you know, that's a bit misinformed in terms of, like, He's clearly made some poor decisions over the past several years. I mean, he's lost a fight to Bivol that he probably should have never taken in the first place. And, uh, you know, you can't be critical because, like, people lose their minds about it. But this fight, like, it just doesn't look like it's going to do well. And the thing about it is, on one hand, you could say, well... It'll do well enough, but like, remember what the expectations are, which is like, he's doing a homecoming fight. It's a little tune up and that'll be that, you know, and then uh, we're back to the big things. But at the same time, it's like, well, you don't have to do a tune up. You're Canelo. If you're going to do a tune up, I mean, make it interesting. John Ryder's not interesting. And the other thing is, like, what are you tuning up for? Because if you're tuning up to fight Bibble again at 175, why are you fighting at 168? It doesn't really seem like a smart move to fluctuate back and forth between these divisions. I'm with you. <laughs> or was that it? I mean, no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it. mean, Canelo's just, he's just doing Canelo, man. Like, at this point... I think that, like, as crazy as it may sound, like, I think given Canelo's talent level and where Jamal at, is at, like, mentally and physically, it would be a tune-up fight also that's probably just as winnable as John Ryder. And it's like, whatever, people can say what they want <laughs> about Jamal. I'm not sold on Jamal right now. 
Like, it's been a long time since Jamal has looked good. Maybe Dervinchenko. And it's been a while since that fight. And Canelo's still, like, I think Canelo's, like, flat, like you know, he's peaked or whatever, but I still think Canelo's, like, or, or maybe he's even trending down a little bit. But his trending down is still above where I feel like Jamal is at. And so if he wanted to be, like, relevant still, that's that would have been a great fight to make. But I don't know, man. Dude's just checked out. Just wants to freaking golf, take easy fights, and be in Eddie Hearn pajamas. Uh, what, what, what did you think of Thomas Hauser? I mean, come on. Like, I had a tweet the... about that. I feel like my tweets are like, I'm not the best at Twitter, but that's not what I felt. <laughs> I tweet, you I might as well call tweeted. Tank the N-word. Your viewership or your readership would have pr- appreciated it. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so I just want to ask a question. This was, uh, by the way, an article in Boxing News, which I believe was just acquired by our boy Rob Tebbit. So I don't know, man. But I do want to say, uh, why did our boy Corey? Yeah, drag Corey, you got you got watch who you, uh, you know, you got watch who you creep with, man. Tom Hauser is not the one. <clears throat> it's funny because like Corey's been on the podcast before. Corey's a good guy. Like, um, yeah, Corey's somebody in boxing that I like. You know, I I want to see him keep getting opportunities to you know call these you know these fights and Corey's also a good writer he writes a a monday morning article on boxing scene and i look forward to him you know Corey's not like he's no paul magno he's not gonna just eviscerate somebody in a humorous way Corey's gonna always take he, he writes from the heart where like most of the time you can just tell, like, this is a dude writing because he loves the sport. But then Corey got dragged into this. He got some quotes in this article by Thomas Hauser where he calls Tank a thug. <laughs> uh, but but going back to what I said at the beginning, like, it just feels like dudes like Hauser are these old writers that we got in the game that are on their way out. Boxing just has, like, the worst, like, disconnect between, like, who the sport serves mostly versus who actually works in the sport. It's, like, really disproportionate. Because even in basketball, like, I've worked in this, I've worked in basketball in several different capacities. And, like, sure, like, majority of the writers are probably white and majority of, like, the business people are white. But they're very, like, they understand the culture of the sport very well and and you know like you have some bad seeds here and there but for the most part you have like good understanding accepting accepting open-minded people boxing is like the opposite like for for one of the most like matter of fact we could double down on this too first of all you had thomas hauser who's like one of like the top writers in the sport calling like one of the most popular well received by his fans fighter a thug and then you have the guy who got some award today write an article about how tank should be suspended or some crazy shit like that it's just like bro like how detached are you guys what was it like the the, like the peppy award or something like that you didn't see it in the in the 
The in what? The, in the Sunday Puncher chat today. Oh, the the, the boxing uh, writers association boxing writers has association. an award named after like Peppy or Lenny David. or Larry or something yeah. like that. And the person who won, I believe, was Chris Mannix. And he wrote a big article on how Tank should be arrested or something like that. And it's just like, how is this award-winning journalism in boxing? Like, who, like, what are we really doing here, guys? Like, like you, like, you're like some, like, how, how just disconnected can you be? This is one of the most popular fighters. You know, oftentimes in boxing, matter of fact, forget all that. It's 2023. Like, like guys have troubles. They get over them and they, they can go on and be great it's okay we don't have to continue to highlight like mistakes someone has made in the past it's like jesus christ well look this is boxing okay and what i'll say is that and we've kind of been doing this on the patreon where we just kind of like look up old articles boxing tends to have a, a greater propensity for the bad boys and so I'm not saying that it's okay or, you know, justifying it in any way, but it's like, how have you reached the old age where you've written about this sport for years and years and years and, like, you haven't just grown apathetic towards this? Like, because I feel like if this was something that you really felt on a deep level, you'd be out. Like Howard Cosell. Like, Howard Cosell was just like, you know what? I'm not okay with this. And he dipped from the sport. But I'm not I'm not saying like we shouldn't talk about what's wrong because that's wrong too. But like, but what I'm saying is like, no, yeah, you're right. We have all these guys that take pride in like being writers. There's so many great stories in this sport. It's ridiculous. We have people who have done like, how is there not like this great Deontay Wilder story? This guy that like got into boxing because his daughter was sick and he served beer while he trained or why isn't there a great story on like bam rodriguez or something like that or like Usyk, who was in like the ukraine war there's like great things to write about and the guy who wins an award wrote, wrote about tank getting arrested it's just like so stupid like why are we highlighting like why are we highlighting someone that's trying to tear down the sport it's it's not even like well we're the ones highlighting it because i think 99% of the listeners right now would not have known this had happened if it weren't for us, which I think is like, we are part of the problem sometimes because like we are the ones that like give light to things that have no light to begin with because that, and you know, apologies to Corey because we mentioned him. Corey's a great writer and he does try to tell these stories. Corey is one of the best researchers in terms of like, comes prepared to do commentary with background info on fighters, but like no one is doing but that. I, if and Corey, those Corey, stories don't get this. told anymore. Like you're my dog, even though we don't talk a whole bunch, like take it as a challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like I come from a sports world. If someone says like, this isn't happening, you take that as a challenge. Like, and I know you could do it. Go out there and find these like guys. There's a million boxes with cool ass stories. Like, and then, and then like, I put it upon you and the other writers, like highlight that, man. Like, don't let it just, like, don't come up with a great story and then it's just like, oh, well, whatever. Like, the writers don't like this. Like, the writers need to appreciate that stuff. Like, we can't just continue to, like, like, what are we going to, we just circle jerk the same thing. Like, the PBC fighters who get in trouble, write about that. Or, yes. like, Ryan Garcia <laughs> is a sweetheart, write about that. Like, that's not compelling. Like, let's do, let's do compelling things 
that will get the um the hardcore is excited and highlight the actual great story. Like Tank getting arrested, it's not, that's not a great story. It's just like it's a waste. Well, I do want to say one thing about about that, which is I'm not saying that like as boxing fans, we just like accept yeah, no, 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 that no. boxers do bad things on, on all levels. Because I want to say th- this though, on some level you do, and like the way to reconcile that is like the violence that is inherent in the sport and the risk of people literally losing their lives over fighting there's a part of us that is okay with that and there's some level of reconciliation that happens where you you make it okay you know it's it's rare i mean it, it, listen Maybe it's just boxing it is. isn't the sport where but, people get in trouble for like their their misbehaviors outside of the ring i mean i could like like let's run off a list right like tank has had like domestic violence issues and like hit and run issues kovalev legitimately like beat up a woman tyson fury is like sponsored by a drug kingpin uh there was the aventil kurt feedsay or whatever his name was that guy got like a rico charge i mean like there's no shortage of guys there was a puerto rican kid who murdered someone there's no shortage of fighters like active or not active who have had serious issues but this doesn't help the sport to like harp on that and harp on that and harp on that like if you want to harp on something Harp on some fighter that has a great story that we don't know about and needs the promotion. Like that's cool. Talking about tanks, like, like legal issues. That shit is like that's just lazy. Ooh. Bro, you know what's a story that I'd like to hear? Has Emma Williams got his head? No, on you're serious. Straight? I don't know. I, I, like, I, you know. I say that kind of joking, but like, but Emma had that like weird stretch where we weren't sure where dude was at mentally. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, like we could do a story on that. We could do a story on Subriel Matias, who was in jail, and now he's a champion. That that would be interesting. We could do a story on, like, Oshaki Foster, who I didn't know until his, his championship fight. This guy is, like, he, he went through mad family issues. Like, it sounded like he was, like, I forget if he was adopted or his parents got rid of him or what his deal was. But, like, I'd rather read about that. Like, that's cool. And I picked, like, three. It doesn't have to be just, like, some minority fighters. I'm sure there's, like. Like, like I don't know, like a Bam Rodriguez or Virgil Ortiz. Or, I don't care, huh? Well, that's kind of who who whatever. I'm just saying, like who, like black who are the minority black and fighters? brown fighters. I I don't care who these stories are about. Like sir, in America, in, they're in not the America, minorities. Minority. In America, Caleb Plant is the minority. In boxing, they're not. So I, I mean, do a story on Sergey Lipinets. Like, what is no. his story? Like, I like Sergey Lipinets. I would. I wouldn't mind learning more about him. I'd like to see him fight more. What the hell is he doing? Like he he can't get some like like update on his background. I know he started off in kickboxing. Like what does he do? Or who like who else is like would be interesting? Uh, I, there's so many guys, man. Just gee, like there's other stuff to talk about. Like goodness. Um, I love how right. we're this far into the podcast this and we haven't week. really talked about Canelo for real, for real. Like Canelo Ryder, we haven't talked about it. No, I mean, nothing. About, what is it talk the, about with that the, fight? Canelo's doing. It's not he. Look, here's actually. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, here's what I don't mind if Canelo has a tune-up, and I kind of already said this already. I don't mind if he has a tune-up. This is not a tune-up though. Like it, I, I don't see how this prepares him one bit for Bivol. It's a showcase. 
And usually I would have no issue with the showcase, but not, you know, they say heavy is the head that wears the crown. Canelo is one of a few fighters that wears the crown. You have different expectations. And like, and this is what I was talking about with like Canelo has been in this bubble where like everyone is scared to criticize him. But you absolutely should be able to criticize him where it's like a showcase is not what we expect from you. Even in, he could do a non-competitive fight. I have no problem. He could do a mismatch. I have no problem with that. You just got to make it an event. And this is not, it is not looking like an event. No, I, I agree. It's It's not anything. Even like, I'm actually disappointed in how DAZN is handling this fight. I mean, like, you got, like, leave it up to, like, the DAZN people, right, to tell us how big and great Canelo is. There's no all-access 24-7 type of thing. There's no, like, special content for me to, like, connect with the fight. They're just kind of doing the fight. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't know if they're trying to save money or what, but. I think they're doing they're doing boxing a disservice. You know, if if you feel Canelo is the face of the sport, you should be disappointed that they're not promoting the fight. And even when they promote the fight, the like it's the most lazy marketing. Like chat if you type if you typed in chat GPT like four week campaign for Canelo Alvarez, Instagram and Twitter posts, they would be way more inspired and interesting than whatever DAZN is doing. And that's that's unfortunate. Something I noticed in that <laughs> Hauser article, not to bring it back up, but uh, all the like, kind of like the factual, objective analysis of where Tank is at in terms of like being a star, the the ability to draw, the gates that he's doing, what he like really, which is well said. It's like Tank is mirroring what you're seeing from like actual musical acts like he's bringing back to to boxing in terms of the fanfare and all this stuff but those aren't hauser's words all that like kind of complimentary stuff about tank he just directly quoted an entire paragraph from Corey. that is hilarious he could not even bring himself to type the like any level of i mean how you said joshua should retire so like what does this guy know you know that's crazy not that like i'm like this huge joshua guy but to just be like Joshua, do yourself a favor and retire. It's like, chill, bro. Like, have some respect. It's, like, I don't love Joshua, but it's not like Joshua is, like, a dickhead who's lazy and is just stealing money. That guy works hard. You know, he, he's put on a lot of interesting fights. I don't have any problem with him, like, going on. I don't know what his the future of his career looks like, but, yeah. Anthony Joshua? Like, dude, it's crazy to say that, like, an Anthony Joshua should retire. I mean, like, if you think Joshua should retire because he has no more, like, and you have to be this straight. If you think Anthony Joshua no longer has his heart or its head in boxing and is just going out there to eventually walk into unconsciousness. Okay, fine. But if you don't have the balls to say you like putting your ass on the line here and say, you think Joshua no longer has the heart for boxing cool but i highly doubt he went that far he probably made some stupid 
he's made a lot of money, so why keep fighting? And that's one thing that really annoys me about, I don't know, I guess people, when they say, well, he's made money. And for me, I think, but they probably love fighting. That's probably all they know. So why have a problem with that? So you say Joshua retired. Okay, Thomas House, so you're not going to watch Joshua versus Wilder or Joshua Fury if they were to happen? Like, it's just it's stupid. It's so dumb. You know, it's a lot of these old hangover guys are just, like, so unhappy with boxing. It would be much better if they just hung it up. You know, like, do do what uh, Kevin I.O. did cover uh, UFC. Teddy Atlas cover UFC. Like, we don't. We don't want you in boxing if you're just going to be a curmudgeon. No, thank you. But yeah, Canelo, the other thing about it is like the card doesn't feel like, it just doesn't have any gravitas to it. There's no other really interesting names on the card in like juicy matchups. Kind of. And that's kind Big of a problem. problem. I just love how like DAZN so, came into <clears throat> boxing promising no more pay-per-views. And then all the writers praised them for it. And at the same time, would constantly say all the PBC pay-per-views were bad and should be not a pay-per-view. They said Errol Spence versus Sean Porter should not be a pay-per-view. They said Wilder Ortiz and Wilder Hellenius and Wilder Fury 1 shouldn't be a pay-per-view. They said Tank, all the Tank's fights except for Tank Ryan shouldn't be a pay-per-view. Those are all actually great fights, except for maybe Wilder Hellenius. But but now you're telling me that like all that energy is gone, <laughs> and, and there's no more like, are you gonna buy this pay per view polls? Like all that shit is out the window. It's just like, like boxing writers are some funny people, man. Yep. So yeah, Canelo fights this weekend on pay per view. Joshua Buatzi also fights this weekend, putting himself in line to potentially uh become a mandatory to fight. Canelo at some point, if things roll, he's got to get a few breaks. But it's kind of a uh, the trajectory that yeah, he's trying on. to set up that Canelo, that Canelo work. Sad man, Canelo could just fight. I, I mean, I don't know, like, nah, Blasi left. Feel about this? You know, Canelo versus Benavides would be such a big fight and such like, like I grew up watching boxing in the era of like Marquez, Barrera, and Morales. And, like, those guys mixed it up. I'm pretty sure they all fought each other, for, like, in some mixture. Morales, right? Okay. So, like, one of Marquez them. Marquez never fought whatever, Mar- like Morales. The others, like, I think that's the only Canelo, one that didn't like, happen. not have, like, one true Mexican, like, standoff fight? It's like, damn, bro. Like, that's wild, man. We're supposed to get one of them joints. And that would be, like, like, that would be a classic, like a certified, there's no way that fight is not classic because Canelo either outboxes or stops David, or David either stops Canelo. Like, how is that not classic, man? It's so whack that, like, Canelo, like, won't give us that. Well, we will get John Ryder, if you're a betting man. Six sounds money. Maybe under seven? Six maybe, and a half. I don't know what the over-under for rounds I'm guessing. is. Let me, let me double check real quick. It's, it's six and a half? I'm guessing. Oh. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, let me see here. You always got to click like yeah, it's eight times before you can get to boxing on any betting website. The over, under, there's like a bunch of props. Ooh. 
is eight and a half. Interesting. They, based off of the way the lines are, they unders negative or minus one twenty, overs minus one ten. So like, what they're saying is they don't know. They slightly think under eight and a half is 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 the play. I think under eight and a half sounds good to me. Canelo to win rounds five and six is plus four fifty. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. Well, we'll leave it right there while uh, I uh, look to place maybe a small wager on this fight. So for those of you who are still listening, thank you so for listening. Please be sure to go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash sundaypuncher. We desperately need it. Um, you can sign up over there, get access to some more podcasts. You can join our chat, get the conversation going all day long. You know, all the topics that come up, whatever. They'd they be, be first to know most of the news that pops up, all the random gossip that is happening, <laughs> happening hidden in Twitter and <laughs> Instagram comments that Lex is on top of. You get all of that. Who will melt down this week remains to be seen, but thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.